Welcome to the 59th edition of the Guna Podcast, recorded immediately after number 58 on the Monday after Arsenal beat West Ham United. Thanks as ever to our sponsors, Gunashirts.com, the website for all your quality, unofficial Arsenal t-shirt requirements. I'm your host, David Udo, and still with me are Guna founder Mike Francis, Mark Brindle from the Arsenal Supporters Trust and Red Action, along with Vital Football and Guna writer Tim Stillman. So, gentlemen... Would you spend fifty million pounds on a precocious midfield player with gammy hamstrings? And if not, have we missed a trick by not selling Cesc Fabregas to Barcelona? Mark Brindle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, no, I think we should keep him in the team for as long as possible. Uh, he, I think he is the heart of the heart of the side at the moment, and. Um, to such good quality that we need to keep him if he's going to go this summer and you know, the, the sort of perceived knowledge is that he will go uh, I'm sure we'll still get a very good price for him um, we shouldn't bow down to these clubs at the end of the day we are the Arsenal and um, we should take top dollar for him and the fact is if we kept him even for one more season it's given the chance for somebody to naturally evolve through the system who could well take his place although I'd rather see both of them in the team Tim your thoughts um, I think there are some players irrespective of their hamstrings that are, that are too good to let go um, I think Sesk qualifies I think Sesk we've been uh, we've been spoiled uh, the last few years with some good players Sesk is up there for me with uh, Henri with Pires with Bergkamp um, yeah if if, uh, if we look like we're grooming Wilshire and hopefully Ramsey to come back as well if he can come back the same player. Um, <clears throat> but no, no, I, I think I think it was important for us to make a statement as much as anything. Um, I think the Fabregas transfer saga also showed how right the club's got it on contracts. Um, and I know people often complain about um, how we hand out contracts willy-nilly, but um, this is why, because it gives us a strong hand in the market. Um, and I think Fabregas was a good indication that since Gazidis has come in, um, we've got that absolutely right, whereas we didn't always in the past. Mike, I, I saw you mouthing the words Robin Van Persie as, uh, as, as Tim was responding to that question. <laughs> OK, you know, the same, same side of the same coin. Robin Van Persie, regarded by every player in the squad as our best player, our most skillful footballer, our talisman, the taker of the best penalty I've ever seen in my life. But the man has legs made of chocolate. What about Robin? Should he stay or should he go? And regardless of that, how would he fit into the current side? Would you drop Marouane Chamak, the 21st century Alan Smith, to accommodate <laughs> a one-legged, chocolate-legged Dutchman? Probably not right now. I think, I think, I think Van Persie's going to have his work cut out coming back in the side. Um, you know, the, the, the team have been performing well. Chamak has, has led the line superbly and, and, and has given us so many more options um, up front. Brings in players brilliantly. That Van Persie did the same, but you just can't rely on him. You know, we, we've said this time and time again, probably three or four seasons on the trot now, where you go, if Van Persie stays fit, we're in with a real chance. What are we talking about? We all know he's not going to stay fit. So, you know, why are we even beginning to dream? Um, would I get rid of him? I don't want to, because I like him. I think he's a great player. Um, but again, a bit like Arshavin, I suppose, in the, in, in the, in the previous podcast, was... Uh, you know, if, if if a good offer came in for him, could we get a more reliable player coming through? Um, that somebody that you can count on for thirty games out of thirty-eight in the league. 
because uh, clearly you can't be Van Persie. Um, You'll be straight back in the team. Oh, he's one of Vegas' favourites. One of Vegas' favourites, straight back in. I agree. No, I agree completely. No, no question whatsoever. In place of hope, Chamac. Chamac. He'd be straight back in the team, and I, I totally support Ben Gordon as well. I think he's, without a doubt, well class player. If he gets injured again, we've got cover for him now. Would you not maybe stick him on the right to let him cut inside and use his right, uh, his left foot, as the the Dutch have done to awesome effect? Uh, I would prefer him more if we're going to. Try and do some not playing right up the top. He's playing as the link man rather than on the right. I think he's deadly in the box, though. I think he's our, our best finisher. I think he's got a lot of what Shamak's got physically, bringing other players into play. I think there's one thing he's got that Shamak doesn't quite have yet, and that's that he can make a chance for himself. Um, he doesn't need a great pass. Uh, if you remember his goal at City last year, um, at City away. That kind of thing. I couldn't see Shamak score as, as much as I've, I've been impressed with Shamak. I think, um, to use a, a, a horrible phrase, Van Persie's got a bit of an X factor um, in that in that he can do that. Um, he can <laughs> he can make a chance all by himself, and, and I think that's why he'd go back in the team and I'd put him back in. But if you know Shamak gives him some good competition, then all the better. Well, it's unfortunate we are we are stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea with him because he is our I, th- I think he's our our best footballer. Not necessarily our best player, but he's our best footballer. But having said that, can you afford to try and build the uh, the outline of a team around someone who's going to be available for for fifteen games out of uh, out of sixty? Mike, you're itching, itching. To- <laughs> no, I mean I, I I kind of agree with what people are saying, and and. and- I do appear to be in the Steve Ashford role tonight, so I'm just going to play devil's advocate for anything anyone says. Um, Nigel Stefanos was the Latvian. <laughs> um, I, I, I just think, you know, at what point, at what point do we say enough's enough? And maybe we're not quite there yet, but you know, one more. He comes back I think three one games more. in, one more injury. I think I think you've got to you've got to start asking it's questions. So that's why the trainer yeah. throws the towel in. Yeah. And just says thanks for the I think it'd be a great shame if that does happen. I agree. Absolutely agree. He's a fantastic player and, and you know that his I'm his default striking is up there with best. You know, he takes a great free kick, he takes fantastic penalties as you said earlier, Dave, but um, you, know, you, do, uh, you just wonder when, when is the when is the time gonna come when he's gonna mm-hmm. play twenty games successive. I have I'm not name dropping everything I have, but I have met him. And he is such a nice guy, and he's totally Arsenal. Mm. And you know, he wants to do it so much. And it was when the contract was up for renewal last time I met him, and he said straight away, he said, "Look, you know, don't worry, I, I am signing. Whatever happens, I want to play for Arsenal. I want to play for Arsenal." England. And that's the sort of attitude you want from players. And it is just such a shame about his injuries. It's it is like, very much, very much. However, having said that, I mean. Who, who are these these guys wearing the 14 and 52 shirts, you know, who have come out of nowhere? I mean, I remember like, last year, he's one of my favourite players because he tried so hard, but only we had this, this you know, Bambi on ice type character coming in, playing centre forward, blocking his own teammate's shots on the goal line, falling over his own face. Suddenly he gets a Dutch heiress up the duff, and suddenly Nicholas Bent has come back from three months injured, uh, uh, you know, is... is Finishing one chance every single time. Theo Walcott has coupled his pace with the ability to play football. Um, again, dynamite finishing, making the right decisions. Um, God forbid the worst does happen to Robin Van Persie. Maybe our cup doth runneth over with attacking players to that affect him. Um, well, I'm, I'm a mixed bag on this one because I'm probably the biggest Bentner fan out there. 
Um, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one. Oh, Tim, we'll set up a Facebook group. <laughs> I've, uh, I've always, always been a big, big fan because um, I think, um, you know, there are some young players that come into a team like Arsenal and they get a bit of criticism and they can't handle it. He always handled it. Whenever he missed chances, um, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but, you know, he got himself in there and went for the next one. You watch him when he misplaced the pass, he wanted the ball. Seconds later, he wanted it. He wanted to put it right. And I always thought that that would serve him well in the long term. Um, and I think we're beginning to see that borne out now. Walcott is someone that I I wasn't sure about. Um, I hadn't really made a firm decision one way or the other. But this, I, I'm liking the Walcott I'm seeing this season. Um, and I wonder how, how pivotal his um, exclusion from the World Cup squad uh, was whether that just gave him maybe that gave him a bit of a rest that he's never had maybe it just gave him something to think about um, I don't know I'm not sure I really care that much um, because he looks he looks devastating this season and his his finishing looks top draw not just his goals against Newcastle but the one up at Blackburn uh, where he broke the net um, absolutely you know great finish well, where, where do you stand? Are you, um, have you got a, a wry grin creeping onto the side of your face at the prospect of, of Bentner and Walcott's season only starting now at the beginning of November? Well, I think it's, in a way I've got a wry grin because I think it proves all these rent-a-quote idiots completely wrong. You know, these people say that he hasn't got a football brain. Steve Ashford. Like well, <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is I would rather rely on the opinion of Arsene Wenger than Stan Collymore, Mark Lawrence and people like that. If Mark Lawrence was such a good judge of footballers, then he should have become a manager instead of just sitting on a coach, on a couch even, uh, and, and spouting off. And um, uh, I'm not so much a, you know, Bentner, I think he's a good player and I think he will score goals. Uh, but, you know, uh, Theo, fantastic. I mean, what, what can he say? You know, he's, he's reacted. The little break in the summer has probably motivated him. I think maybe some of the younger guys at Arsenal, you know, they're on good salaries. Maybe they've maybe felt they didn't have anything to prove but I think it's slowly dawning on them that they've got to win trophies and uh, I think they're, they're both coming through really strong Bentner you know I think he's another one he, maybe if he hadn't been a professional footballer he would have still been a virgin sort of thing you know the only time he got his, the only time he got his pants down was outside a nightclub before right? Right, you know so Maybe the maturity's come now with the fact that, you know, the, the baby's on the way. In fact, from what my understanding is, although he's got the woman pregnant, he had about 15 goes. He got, you know, <laughs> some on her tits, some on her legs, you know, well, but eventually. If you've, if you've seen that, uh, and he kept plugging I, I, away, I quite yeah. appreciate what he was up to there. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, 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 going back to, to Stan Collymore, in, in fairness, I mean, the only time I sort of take him on board was if we had him playing on the left wing against Lars Jacobson on... on on Saturday, I would have liked his opinion because if anyone knows anything about beating Swedes, it's probably Stan Collymore. Um, Mike, um, Theo Walcott and, and, and Nicholas Bender. It's 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 November and they're only just starting. Marouane Schmuck's um, settled nicely into the team. Do we play Nasri? Do we play Riziki? We're arguing about whether Andre Arshman should even be in the team. You know, you know we're, we're going to score one more than you, Vindaloo. This is quite alien to us, isn't it, over the last few seasons? We've actually got choices in the squad. You know, it's, you've got no no problems if Bentner plays, comes in and, and replaces Schumacher for a game. You've got no problems if Walcott comes in. Competition for places, hallelujah. We've been saying it for, for so long now. And, you know, we're actually seeing it. They're delivering. And, and they are pushing the other players, the players that are in the first team at the moment, they're pushing them on. Um, 
Yeah, great stuff. It's, it's what we wanted. Walcott, I think, I think his problem has always been it's just been a bit too lightweight, hasn't it? It's been, um, you know, gets knocked over and shoulder pops out and that's him out for three months. This year he just seems to be a bit more resilient, notwithstanding the fact that he missed six games after getting injured on international duty. <laughs> oh, that just makes him an Arsenal player for me. <laughs> um, but, you know, he, 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 there's been a few games, I think the Blackburn game was probably one, where he bounced back up from a number of fairly hefty challenges straight away. And uh, it's like, good to see. Can I just say, it's not November, it's Movember. <laughs> <laughs> Grey moustache. It's a bit lost on pod, podcasts. Well, like <laughs> if you can see it, guys, it's, it's a miracle. <laughs> Uh, by the time you, uh, you you're as you're listening to this right now, uh, listeners, whether it be at the office, whether it be at home in the evening, um, I'd say we're probably ten days away from the uh, the annual visit um, to Ashburton Grove by um, our neighbours from up the road, and um, the visit of Spurs will see an opportunity to buy um, a selection of charity T-shirts, reminding them who the daddies of North London football are. Uh, Mark. With your ties to Red Action, can you tell us any more? Have we got anything else planned for the day? or? Uh, yeah, well, we've got these T-shirts that have been produced with Forever in Our Shadow, uh, nice big cannon uh, overshadowing a, a very minuscule cockerel and uh, celebrating 50 years of uh, Tottenham failure or something along those lines. And uh, they're going for a fiver. You can get them from the Rocket. Um, they'll be there before the Newcastle game and obviously before the Spurs game as well. And uh, the profits... We'll go to centre point Arsenal charity this season. Beautiful. Uh, we're also working on some more giant flags. Um, Forever in our shadow again has been mentioned, um, and uh, maybe something along the lines of "We are London's club" rather than anybody else, which obviously could be reused for various other clubs. Uh, but I think it's very important that um, we do remind them that it is actually fifty years since they won anything of any note. And, um, you know, let's face it, if the boot was on the other foot, thinking back to when they beat us in the League Cup semi-final and they brought a DVD out the next day and whatever, you know, it's, you know, it's ridiculous. And they are our rivals. As much as Chelsea and Man United might be bigger fish now, Arsenal Spurs is the game as far as Arsenal supporters are concerned. And uh, we need to put them in their place. And uh, I don't see there's any problem with that. Um, even if we were, God forbid, to losing them at the end of this month, um, they would always be inferior to us. And football is all about rivalries. Um, and we've got a few other things planned, but we can't really <coughs> say too much because, you know, certain powers that be might not be too happy about some of them. That's fair enough, that's fair enough. I, mean, I, I, I saw... Um Long-time Guna contributor Brian Dawes last Thursday, who um, is trying to get something underway um, to um, get any Arsenal fan who wants it, a, a golden anniversary card to send to your nearest and dearest Spurs fans, wishing them all the very best on this, the 50th anniversary. Well, I, of, thought, uh, I thought maybe I've, uh, I'm going to put a request in to the, for the music half-time to play the theme tune from Hawaii Five O, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe get it from Mr Bill the Blancheflower or something. Oh, know, that's the, fantastic. You know, whether they will fall for that, you never know, do you? Oh, that or a section of number ones from yes. 1961, <laughs> if indeed they've got a vinyl player <laughs> at, uh, at Ashburton Grove. Um, Tim, what were your, uh, your favourite Arsenal-Tottenham memories? Um, well, my family's um, a 50-50 split between Arsenal and Spurs, so... Uh... Oh, you're adopted, I'm sorry to hear that, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> so, you know, I've got sisters that are Tottenham fans, I've got sisters that are Arsenal fans... Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a big thing in, in my family. Um, 
I think my favourite memory would have to be one of my first North London derbies um, would have been at Wembley, the 93 semi-final. Um, I, was, I was at the other end of the pitch that Adams, uh, that Adams scored uh, in the fourth row, sitting with some family members that were Tottenham fans. Um, and I was nine years old at the time, and that, that, was, uh, that, that was probably my, my favourite North London derby memory, other than, obviously, in 2004, uh, winning the league there. In fact, I think, uh, quick anecdote, my, my favourite ever memory of a Tottenham-Arsenal game was uh, after we won the league there in 2004, um, we got a police escort to Tottenham Hale. Um, we got on the tube, and we were told when we got on the tube, won't stop at Seven Sisters. So we're all on there having a good sing and a, and a bit of a celebration. Train pulls in at Seven Sisters. About two to three hundred really quite nasty-looking Tottenham fans on the platform. <laughs> it's about two and a half hours after the game, so they've been waiting a long time. <laughs> Bottles are coming um, at the carriage, and we're all standing there thinking, oh, God, we're sitting ducks. Um, the doors never opened. The tube slowly chugs off. <laughs> and obviously, big, brave people that we are, uh, you know, we rush to the windows. At that, that juncture, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, with, with plenty of gesticulations. <coughs> I don't know if it's my imagination, but I, I'm convinced the tube driver even drove very, very slowly as we pulled away from that platform. You hear this, so, Bob Crow? You hear what you're doing to this country? <laughs> Wonderful. Mike, your favourite Arsenal Spurs memories? I'm going to go back a little bit further. I think my, my one is still um, 87 League Cup semi-final. Both games at the lane. And, you know, the, the, the first game we were there with, for those younger generation listeners amongst us, and I'm sure there are some, um, we lost the first leg at Hyde, we won nil. We went one down in the second leg. Um, that was the score. We were two down on aggregate at half-time, and Spurs memorably gave out details of um, how their fans could get tickets for the final and uh, lo and behold we stormed back and got two goals, took it to a third game um, back at White Hart Lane thank God because it just made it a fantastic night, again we went one down uh, eight minutes to play I think it was and Ian Allinson Big fat Ian Allinson handlebar moustache somehow managed to turn the ball in at the near post past Ray Clement and then Rocky, bless him Banged one in in the last minute, take us to Wembley. And uh, that was the start of the George Graham era. Absolutely, and, very much. Know, I'd settle for a repeat of that sort of performance this year, even though it can't be at Spurs, but we've already done them this year in the Carling Cup, haven't we? So. <laughs> but that, that was a great memory, great night. Mark, your favourite Arsenal Tottenham moment? Well, might have stolen my thunder a bit there, because <laughs> I, I would agree with you totally. That night was just absolutely incredible and. Uh, for anyone of that age group that was there that night, I think you speak to anybody and it was just, you know, it brings the hairs up in the back, what, what hairs I've got left on the back of my neck. And uh, in fact, I, I get a bit choked up about it when I think of Rocky scoring and uh, things like that. And uh, as well, you know, the early 80s, we uh, Spurs were a good side and we'd suffered a bit at their ends. And, uh, but that night we really came of age and you felt like, all the boys together, they were youngsters coming through and they were our team. That was the thing, it was all, you know, we all stood together and, you know, you hear these stories now when you go to White Lane and people, you know, that's it. But we, we come out that night and, uh, you know, the Seven Sisters Road was just red and white everywhere. And um, so I'll, I'll go for that and also I think there's so, so many memories. Um, uh, 
Oh, Pat Jennings, when he got on This Is Your Life, do you remember that one? That was another one that was quite funny night. I remember being in the wrong end of the ground for some reason. So we have to explain that. This Is Your Life for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so some reason I was in the Paxton Road end that night. I can't quite work out why. But um, uh, another thing, I remember my granddad going to the, um, when we won the double in 71. So obviously I wasn't there, but I remember listening on the radio and what have you. And uh, my granddad leaving at about three o'clock in the afternoon to go there. And I think he just about got in the ground and things like that. So, so, so many memories. We've had such great times now. And so, something that they never have. And I think, you know, you look at it now and it's say about, oh, it was all talk last year, the balance of power shifting and whatever. Can you ever imagine that we would go 10 years or whatever it was without beating Spurs? Even if, okay. we, were, even if we were shit. I'd be in a goal down for 10 minutes against Tottenham, let alone anything it else. It would never happen. Even in the 60s, it would never <coughs> happen. So, um, yeah. If there are any Spurs fans listening to this and you want to send us details of your favourite Spurs victories over Arsenal, you can email us at ha 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 at hotmail.gofuckyourself. Um, Mike, on to uh, slightly, slightly more business-related matters. I understand that you attended the recent Arsenal AGM. Um, for, you know, for, for those of us amongst the proletariat, why don't we paint the picture of, of what happens? Is it champagne, caviar, cocaine and whores? Dwarves with trays on their head, that kind of thing? You have been. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. Some years ago, I purchased a share, and that let me into the AGM. Um, with the shares going at 11, 11 and a half grand a pop now, I wouldn't recommend it if all you want to do is go to the AGM. It's not, it's not the most exciting hour you're going to spend. Um, but, you know, you go along, and you, you listen to Peter Hillwood, and... Bless him, he, he's always entertaining. Um, doesn't mean to be, but he is. <laughs> um, it's, it's so stage-managed now that um, if, you, if, you, if you're going along expecting to get anything interesting, you're going to be very disappointed. Um, questions have to be put forward in advance. Um, I'm sure that they, the only ones that get selected are the ones that they can answer without causing any controversy. Um, Interesting question this year was the PA system is a bit too loud. Can you be turning it down? Peter <laughs> Hillwood um, did point out, in fairness to him, that we had a similar question about four or five years ago when we were still at Highbury, saying the PA system is a bit too quiet. So clearly we haven't got it right yet. But, uh, <laughs> so Peter Hillwood is pretty much stone deaf. Yeah, is my well, understanding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> allegedly. Um, what else was asked? There was uh, one of the questions was from uh, Maria Petri, who um, I'm sure is well known to Arsenal fans. Um, she asked about the reserve game and the fact that the, all the reserve games are being played behind closed doors during the winter months, which was generally well received by the audience, but was dodged by the um, <laughs> basically saying it's the pitch, it's not very good at Barnet, and that's why, and our players don't like playing on not very good pitches. Um, oh, didn't <laughs> sod so, so the next generation of fans who might want to see them occasionally. Um, it's not exciting. It, you don't get you get a cup of tea and a biscuit at the end. That's about the most exciting bit. Nice, nice, fair enough. Um, it sounds like a shamble. Yeah, I'm reading an article in the most recent issue of the Guna. I mean, I, I've been led to believe that things are much better under the stewardship of uh, <laughs> Ivan Gazidis than they were under David Dean or Keith Edelman. I mean. Tim, I mean, you, you know the author of this piece uh, particularly well. I mean, you know, joking aside and, and, you know, the stage manager's AGM, I mean, Christ, I mean, AGM's at football clubs 15 years ago. I mean, I don't think, I think they're alien concepts to everybody. I mean, 
Um, look, playing the devil's advocate, considering mm. the sheer ineptitude of our club in concluding transfers since Gazidis took over, the failure to complete the Chabi Alonso, uh, Pepe Reina, Mark Schwarzer deals, the did we or actually, well, have we actually signed Andre Arshavin yet? I still don't think anybody's completely sure. Um, yeah, are, th- are things really as good as you think they are? Um, on, the, on the transfer front, I think that's um, a reflection of the shift in football in general. Um, I don't think that's exclusive to us. Um, contract laws, um, for anyone that's sad enough to read about it, like I am, um, is, has shifted a lot um, in football with the Webster ruling um, and stuff like that. So actually negotiating a transfer nowadays isn't that easy. Um, and actually, if you look around this summer, um, even clubs like Chelsea um, and Man United didn't do much business. Um, so no, I, I don't think that's anything that's... Uh, that's particular um, to us or, or a particularly recent phenomenon, no. Fair enough. Erudite, to the point, and I appreciate it. Um, okay, time for some internal Guna-related matters now, and where to start, where to start. Well, you, you, this, is, uh, well, this is why I think we should do a vodcast rather than a podcast. You can't see us at home, viewers, but in front of us on this table in the um, whatever community centre we are just off the Avenue Road... Um, We've got um, pictures of every single Arsenal kit through the ages. Um, Mike, would you care to shed some light on, on why we're, we're looking at this? OK. Um, for the last, I don't know how many years now, probably the last 15 or so years, the Guna has produced a calendar every year um, to give away any issues to our loyal readership. Um, this year's theme is going to be kits through the ages. Um, but we're not going to do every kit because that would be quite boring and quite easy. And there's so not 78 months in the year. We have that problem as well. Um, so we thought we'd try and pick out 12 kits. Um, don't, I'm not sure whether it's our favourite kits or the most talked about kits. Um, Mark, look at, kits. look at across all of these. Uh, any of these evoke any particular happy or sad memories for you or, you know, sartorial faux pas well, during yeah. the 80s and 90s? Obviously the 91-93 bird shit kit. <laughs> um, is a bit of a faux pas, but I know it's very popular with some people. But uh, the one that registers me looking at it more and more is the old 77-78 away kit with the big blue cannon in the middle of the chest and uh, Arsenal versus Orient FA Cup semi final. Oh, great show. Uh, Malcolm McDonald scored a goal off about four deflections and still claimed it. And uh, <laughs> um, one of the things that sp- even the match sticks out in my but before him was actually queuing up for tickets outside Highbury and uh, the queue went up past the clock end round the far end of the ground back down the other side and I started queuing outside the North Bank uh, entrance uh, thinking that I would never get a ticket Um, but we did we all got tickets and uh, we had a great day out I think there was about 40,000 Arsenal there and about 5,000 Orient and um, yeah that, that, that kit always you know Malcolm McDonald charging through centre four with that on. That's Ma- bringing a lot of memories back. Mike, any, any of these um, making you think of any, of any particularly um, uh, pivotal days in your Arsenal supporting life? Oh, God, so many of them. I mean, you look, you look back now and, uh, you know, we've got all the red kits in front of us, some with white sleeves, some with partial white sleeves, unfortunately. Um, I have to say, I look back at the, the, the both the home and away kits from the 88-89 season, and there are just so many memories attached to those. Um, not least that night at Anfield, but you know the, there were quite a few others as well. Um, that, yeah, that, 
I don't know, Alan Smith in that 88-89 away shirt for me. Um, goal at Anfield, yes, is the, is a memorable one. But I remember early in the season at Forest, um, him and Marwood combining for goals there. When, but I think we won four. One four one, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I remember we were going to go down. That that was that was a that was a good day. Stevie Bowles' first goal for the club. Near post flick on. <laughs> what a surprise! Um, so I mean, and, and this is it. I mean, you, you've hit nail on the head. I mean, not only are we trying to look at pick pick out kits, but we're trying to pick out players that we remember in those kids and I have to say that the, the, uh, the, the 91-92 bird shit kit as Mark called it <laughs> or chevron kit or tractor Bruce kit Bruce Banana Bruce Banana <laughs> there are so many descriptions of it Ian Wright it is Ian Wright shirt. Ian Wright in that shirt what's a centre forward doing wearing number 8 I remember thinking to myself it was, it was the shirt he made his debut in at Leicester but he also Mate wore it the following Saturday at Wade of Southampton, although I yeah, think he yeah, wore it with white shorts. We well, did wear white shorts only with clash, yeah, absolutely. So it uh, wasn't quite yeah, the full kit, but um, yes. But yeah, Ian Wright in that shirt for me, that, that's the one I remember him most in. Tim, what, what are you looking at? Well, that's a memorable one for me as well, because I think everyone looks at um, the kit from probably when they first started supporting the club. Um, I first went to Highbury in 92, so we were using that kit. Um, as an away kit at the time. So that and Anders Limpar, who was my favourite player at the time. Um, but also the home kit um, from that time as well, because I think that was the first Arsenal shirt I ever had. Um, the 90-92 uh, the splodges. Um, Lovely collar on that shirt, though, with an AFC. Yes. Within yes, the circular right. collar, yeah, yeah classy. Yeah. And uh, that, that, um, that and Paul Merson in that, um, I think that, that, that really brings back memories from my, my first ever trips to Highbury. Um, and one of one of only three Arsenal shirts I actually own nowadays, um, along with the Bruce Banana, which I'm going to insist on calling it. Um, but I think everyone knows the '82 '83 green away kit, which is just so horrible that it's that it's somehow nice. Now you um, see, if they had the current... almost ironic, almost worn ironically, um, but I, I I don't know. There's just it's, it's a bit like Coventry's chocolate brown away kit from the '70s. It's so. <laughs> Awful and horrible. That actually, it's it's yeah, it's 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 got a little something about it. It's just a bit different. I'm just looking at some of these. I mean, apparently, in, from 1967 to 1969, when we went away, we actually went in fancy dresses, Scotland, <laughs> uh, with a, with a dark navy blue shirt and, and white shorts, jeans, cribbins, and help my bulb. Um, there are some absolute stunners here. Absolute Bobby Dazzers. I mean, going back to the green shirt. I mean, if we had the current commercial team in place, they'd be telling us something about Herbert Chapman <laughs> and tradition, and you know, it's what the boys would have wanted. I mean, uh, uh, crikey! Well, be, very, be very aware that you know it's the 125th anniversary coming up, so commercial oh, department could well be coming out with something very oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Well, let, let's go back. New, new kit, haven't Red, Red Current has been strongly mentioned again. Oh, well, let's go. Hang on. Let's, where's 1886 on here? I mean, where... I are, didn't go back. You didn't go that, back that far. Uh, yes, I, I'm risk of printing off a fourth page of all-colour football kits. Mike decided he wanted to instead pay to the mortgage fair, this month. I think we only played one game in 1886, and I don't think they actually had a kit. I think they just vaguely wore blue shirts and then... That was it. So I don't they think they had overalls from the, uh, the, armor from the arms factory. Yeah. Crikey, there are some absolute stunners here. There really are. Um, well, if any listeners have got any uh, any thoughts on this that would want to, want to contribute towards the calendar, um, please email us at. I'm not, I'm not too sure. I mean, if only there was an online web portal that had recently been revamped. Um, <laughs> hang on. Oh, sorry, I'm just at my topic list. Apparently, according to what's written in front of me, 
um, the online Guna website has received a bit of a revamp. Uh, Mike, can you tell us why? And are there any further ch- changes planned? And is this truth and evidence that you fa- charge far too much for the Guna? And uh, this is where the hard-earned cash is going. Thanks for the Chinese tonight, by the way. It was cracking. <laughs> okay, the, the website, yeah, it has been uh, given a bit of a revamp. Bring it up a little bit more up to date. We were still probably about four years behind everyone else with the technical stuff that I don't understand, so I couldn't begin to explain. Um, Rob, who is our webmaster, um, has spent much of, the, much of this year so far um, tweaking it and listening to me being Mr Pedantic and go, could you move that one more centimetre over to the left, please? Um, I hope people generally think it's better, an improvement. Uh, it's a bit more, bit more colour in it, a bit more pictures. Um, it's still, we're still planning to carry on working on it. We want um, to add readers' comments to, or allow people to comment on articles um, as BBC website and various other websites have got. So that's something to look out for. And um, the forum is next on our on our target to try and give that a bit of a revamp as well. Be easy to improve that. You need to just get rid of some of the people. Comment on it on the side. Mark, are there, are there any names in particular? No, um, I'm not going to name names. They know who they are. Maybe based in Ireland, I think. Um, the forum is great for uh, letting all Arsenal fans. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Fair play. Fair play. I'll take, I'll take it back, but I mean it. <laughs> uh, before we go, um, an idea that I thought was quite nice. Um, slow work day today. Um, to get to know your palace, we do have, we do have an, an adoring public out, out there, and both of them have written in, um, just to try and get a bit more, uh, to know a bit more about us. I mean, guys, we're all gooners. Where do you sit? Have you got any rituals? And, you know, when do you arrive and leave? Um, Tim? Okay, rituals, um, four pints of Guinness before the game. Good man. Four pints of Guinness after the game. Um, I sit, um, nowadays, I, used, I sat in the clock end at Highbury. I used to uh, man the barrier in row four, um, so that was interesting. Um, gone a bit more upmarket um, at the, the corporate stadium. Um, gone for the east upper near the halfway line. Oh, very nice. Uh, great view. Um, there's no atmosphere anymore anyway, so there's no point in hunting for that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been it's been an interesting transition from sitting, you know, within literally within spitting distance of. Uh, of, uh, of away fans for all those years and now being kind of up in the posh suits where everyone applauds nicely and nobody likes my language. Well, how about yourself? Uh, well, I, I, sit, I sit in the, um, the red action section or red section or, or the bear pit, as we like to call it. Beautiful. Um, and, uh, well, I say sit, I've never sat in my seat. Uh, Good for you. For, the, only, uh, the only time I do sit, and this is a ritual, is when we take a penalty. I've not watched an Arsenal penalty since Galatasaray, um, I just cannot watch him. And the funny thing was, the guy who sits in front of me or stands in front of me um, didn't. Don't I've seen his face through the years of regular away supporter and um, first game at the Grove, and we got a penalty, whenever the first penalty was, and we both sat down and refused to watch the penalty. So it was really weird that this guy had the same ritual. <laughs> Uh, um, so it, it's that, um, I think that's my main ritual: getting the ground uh, as and when. Really, I'm not. You know, I'll go to the rocket before the game, uh, see a few faces and what have you. So, funny enough, tonight I, I stopped off at the Bank of Friendship on the way here, which was our old drinking establishment, mm. and uh, it was nice just to sit in there, sat in the old seat, no one in there, of course. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, brought back some good memories. Some, 
I think that's a good thing about Arsenal. Arsenal supporters is uh, quite a social crowd. And uh, we all enjoy a beer and we can have a bit of a laugh about things. So don't take things too seriously. We all love our club and we support our club. Um, but yeah, I, I love where I sit in the grounds and you know, we do try, try and create a bit of atmosphere. I just wish it would spread out a little bit further. I get infuriated when people say they don't know the name, the words to the songs when the song is Arsenal. That's <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, a bit strange. But. And Mike, our esteemed leader. Founder of this, or is it the diamond club? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you started me. No, I, I, I still, I still sit down in the lower tier. I did, when, when we moved to the new ground, actually, it was a, it was not obviously an opportunity for quite a lot of people to sort of sit together for the first time. Before I sat with um, four people, uh, four of us all sat together, but you know I knew people in similar areas of the ground, and now we all come together. And there's, uh, I think, we've got a block of fourteen seats now in, in the west lower. And um, yeah, no, it's good crack. It's uh, you know, I enjoy it there. And I, I did contemplate moving into the upper tier actually when we moved um, stadiums, but the rest of the crowd weren't so keen. The extra money put them off, and uh, I'm quite happy actually that I didn't because I have watched a couple of games from the upper tier, and uh, I just feel a bit more detached from it. I know mm. Tim said he sits up there, but I just feel it's a little that bit further away from the pitch, and, and you're just not quite as involved in it. Um, pre-match rituals. Um, None really. I, I, I tend to get in the ground quite quite late now, probably about ten fifteen minutes before kick off. Normally been for a drink in one of the pubs in Holloway Road. Um, and uh, uh, David asked when we all left. I said none of us are leaving early, so I think I'll take that as no. red. You always ask just just to catch someone. <laughs> now. Can I just make about a, you, David? A, a plea for um, the Arsenal Wigan game that uh, that night we need to really get behind the team. Uh, whatever team he puts out. First home cup tie in about seven or eight exactly. goes, isn't it? Exactly, and it's a perfect opportunity. Tickets will be cheap. I'm sure a lot of season ticket holders will take up their option, um, but anyone else who's coming along on the night, let's really get, get behind the team. This is a big, big game. It's only Wigan, but it's only Wigan. Let's, let's, let's do it. Let's make Ashburton Grove into some sort of, you know, Siege, fortress, fortress, absolutely. Siege mentality, whatever you want to call it, let's really go to town. And when we will give you our best thing, we'll get everything out on the websites. Please just do it. It's fair right. enough, actually. I mean, we get through this. I mean, look, I mean, Sky know what they want, don't they? They want a two legged semi final between Arsenal and Manchester United. And with it being at home and away, you know, we get past Wigan, we get behind the boys, you know, we get semi final home against Man United. Fantastic. Um, okay. So there's just time for the usual reminder that our email address, uh, including anything with regard to any shirts you'd like to see uh, in the calendar, if you can't get through via uh, onlineguna.com, please feel free to drop us a line at gunapodcast at gmail.com. Thanks once again to our sponsors, gunashirts.com, and a reminder that the current issue of the Guna, number 209, is now on sale and will be available at the home matches with Spurs and Wigan. If you can't get down to buy it outside the stadium on match days, then you can still buy it online from the Guna shop section on onlineguna.com. We'll be back at the beginning of December, and until then, my thanks to the panel. My name's David Udo, and thanks for listening. <laughs>